Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. Now, I say UK-focused technology podcast, but anyone who's been listening to our live show, all of our patrons here... We spent a good 15 minutes playing an impromptu round of Guess That Hole, which I've got to admit is one of the most fun things that we do as part of this entire program of text message. Um, guess the Hole with Ian and Nate. Yeah. I think it could be a spin-off. We're just waiting for uh, Sky to call and offer yeah. us a, uh, a show. We could be like... Um that awful reboot they've done of Nevermind the Buzzcocks or that awful They Think It's All Over show or that awful League of whatever it's called. We could make it happen. I mean, given that you did actually have a Sky TV series and given that I do work on TV. Yeah, do you think um, Bloomberg would pick it up? (laughs) I'll be honest, I don't think Guess That Hole uh, in which Ian or Nate describes an orifice that is within their eyeline and the other has to guess. I I just don't think it's crucial to... You know, Wall, uh, Wall Street and 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 the London Stock Exchange. I, so, we but I will say, won. I did did watch um, a very good Bloomberg Quick Take documentary on um, uh, this young influencer that people has been causing a, a storm in social media circles. She's like fourteen and does provocative dancing, and her parents are on board with it. Very good video. Very very interesting discussion. Mm. There's an even better one uh, um, that I made about um, how to make your smart home heating system. That went out this week. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. You didn't mm. send me it's a, the best, a link. It's the best video we published uh, this year. Uh, oh, okay. From me on the topic of central heating, I would say. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> You've really narrowed that down, though, to uh, be very specific. Yeah, well, the one you mentioned is actually better. Um, <laughs> but But mine's pretty good, too. Anyway, let's talk about... The news, because the government has announced that rules around taking liquids and laptops through airport security, uh, they're going to be eased in the UK from 2024, from June 2024. This is according to a write-up on The Telegraph that I read first this week. Um, The newspaper said passengers at most of the major UK airports are going to be able to carry liquids in containers holding up to two litres. Uh, in what will actually be the biggest relaxation of aviation security regulations in decades, bearing in mind that the current limit for fluids is 100 millilitres. Travellers will no longer need to carry containers in clear plastic bags or, and here's where we get to the tech component of this end-of-year story that isn't about either Elon Musk, Twitter, FTX, <laughs> Sam Bankman, free Donald Trump's NFTs or bloody Avatar or all the other things we're not going to talk oh. about. Oh, oh, oh you also won't need to remove tablets or laptops from hand luggage at checkpoints. Isn't that amazing? Um, The Department for Transport said major airports are going to be required to install new technology, which gives airport staff a more detailed image of what is in your sack as you're going through security. Although I suppose that's a bit of tech as well, new tech involved in, in, in that. And they've got a couple of years to put those into place, less than a couple of years, actually, 18 months or so. 
So, uh, with that in mind, Ian, I wondered, what's your favourite bit of technology to carry onto a plane? What's your favourite airport? Which aeroplane <laughs> gadgets and time-wasting routine do you most enjoy at 30,000 feet? It's been about five years since I stepped foot on an aeroplane, so it's actually a fairly difficult question for me to answer. Oh. Um, I mean... Obviously, if I'm <clears throat> traveling these days, it's a lot easier than it used to be. I remember going to CES one year with two different laptops because neither had the battery capacity to last a particularly long time. So I took one that I think was a sort of more of a work-focused one and one that I took that was a, a slightly um, more watching movies on the plane kind of thing. But these days, I would just uh, grab the 12.9-inch iPad Pro and that would be all I'd need to take. I wouldn't need anything else. I mean, unless I was working, in which case I'd need my work laptop. Um, but that's two things, and they're not big and bulky. I The one thing I'm missing is a good pair of noise-cancelling headphones. And I lost my AirPods this week. <clears throat> and I was going to buy, was thinking about buying some AirPods Pro. And then I found the AirPods. So ah. I don't need to. So they were in the it. car. They'd slipped out of my little uh, mini pocket on my jeans because the pair of jeans that I've been wearing are, um, well, I, I, I shouldn't share this information because it's humiliating, but I accidentally bought a pair of quite elasticated jeans. Oh, <laughs> nice. Very high Lycra content. In fact, I mean, they're not tight, uh, but if they were, they, they'd basically be leggings. Well, they're um, going to go to waste. Is that a pun? To waste. Yes, it is. Yeah, right. Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, so it's, uh, well, they're not, not going to waste because they're really comfortable because they're not like hard jean material. They're soft jean slash lycra. So they're very comfortable. Anyway, it had slipped out of the pocket and was in the car. So I managed to locate them before the electric seat crushed it, a la Rory and the iPhone. Ah, yeah. Wait, hang on. Rory and the iPhone. Do you not you remember just... when Rory smashed an iPhone with a, an Aston Martin? No. It slipped <laughs> no, out I... of his pocket and went I... down in between the seat and the electric seat mechanism. Well, funnily enough, no. But I do remember when Rory dropped an MP3 player down between the seat and the electric seat mechanism and crushed that. So Maybe. Clearly... Well, what, what was it? An iPod? It was an iPod competitor from Samsung. Right, no, I, was... I don't think it was that then. I think I think he did actually crack an iPhone. Um, I need surprised. to check with him, though. Well, Rory is one of many people who um, flew on planes. Um, to To take us back to our previous uh, to uh, topic of conversation. I'm quite excited about this because I do find that those bag checks are about the most distressing part of going through an airport because yeah. they can be quite long. And there are always people in line who do not know what goes in 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 where and, and also this whole hundred mil thing is just ridiculous and it always has been it's security theater it's not helping keep anyone safe i don't know i and i don't think we're qualified to talk about that i I've think qualified probably... myself you don't oh, need to be qualified oh, okay. for things anymore you just say what say what you think and that's as good as a fact ah, okay. if if, uh, if the bird site has taught me anything interesting okay <laughs> well here comes another fact um, my favourite thing to take onto a plane uh, is also an iPad. How uh, yeah. woefully predictable. Well, it is a bit predictable, isn't it? I think it's... I, I used to take three, though. Really? Three, de three devices. Yeah, I used to take two iPads and a phone because the batteries never last lasted long enough yeah. for a long-haul flight. Now I just And, and these the days you can take a battery to top them up as well. Like, you know, yeah. there, are, there are big batteries that are still allowed on planes, like... Um, 
That's what, what's the limit? It's something like 99 kilowatts, isn't it? Kilowatt hours or something like that. Um, so you can take a pretty decent sized battery on, on a plane with you now. So that would run an iPad for almost any duration of flight, I would suggest. Now, have you ever run into airport security when they felt the need to put on a rubber glove and ask you to take a step aside? To check out my holes. Um, I've never had them ask, what's that hole? But they have I, that when that laptop incident where I had like two laptops and a bunch of other stuff, cameras mm. and things, they did pull me over then because it was such an unusual amount of consumer electronics that they were a little bit suspicious. So I did have to explain myself there. Roughly what year was this? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm guessing it would have been 2008, 2009. Yeah. I mean, at that point, laptops were quite bulky. And if you were taking multiple, it would have looked a bit suspicious. Very very, very bulky yeah because you could smuggle all sorts through that well, i do pulled... x-ray them it's pretty obvious when you x-ray something what's inside it well it isn't and that's how i ended up almost getting fingered by a security <laughs> guard because <laughs> i was going through i think it was berlin it was one of the german airports uh after going to i assume something like ifa and uh, i'd been there with I mean, you might have been there, but uh, Drew Stern was there. Mm-hmm. And um, I got one of his hard drives in my bag, but it was one of those rugged drop-proof ah, right. hard drives. So it has, you know, a quite robust exterior casing that made it suspicious through the eyes of an x-ray machine. And um, I made the mistake of, and kids never joke at airport security. They don't have a sense of humor, certainly not in Germany, certainly not in 2009. Um, because I said, oh, sorry about that. That's not mine. That's my colleague's. He put that in there. Ah, um, I remember this. And that's the one thing you don't say at airport security. That's right. Um, anyway, I was, asked, <laughs> I, was asked, I was asked to one side. Uh, I was asked to explain myself. Um, the man did put on a rubber glove. I was relieved that it had a full five fingers uh, in the glove. I was afraid it was going to use one of those you know single finger jobs yeah um one size fits all but uh, but he didn't he, he put on a full five uh, a full five finger glove and uh, simply inspected the the hard drive and let me on on my way but um yeah i learned that the hard way i could have learned it a much harder way but i learned it a hard way that under these new rules would still be ill-advised at best yes i would agree with that um don't tell people you put a colleague's hard drive in your bag um just just um i was gonna say just tell the truth i was telling the truth and that's part of the problem just continue lying basically uh say it's mine i put it in there and it's it's okay yeah i mean but that really it's it goes to the heart really doesn't it of all the pointlessness of it all because you know yeah sure you didn't it wasn't your hard drive he you know drew may have put it in your bag or something but you know it's pretty obvious that you would you know not going to be carrying something dangerous for some unknown person like there is a line isn't there between yeah i i occasionally catch the australian border crossing control uh show on sky and um they don't half make out a lot of nonsense about people it's like was one guy had some uh seaweed that he was carrying through very high salt content and it good upset. lord i hope he's in i hope he's in prison well he, he upset the scanners but because it had been given to him by a family member 
he was like, well, it was given to me by a family member. And they were like, well, it's cocaine. It could be cocaine. And it wasn't cocaine. It was just seaweed. But he was, he was, tell, he was treated it? like a criminal. Um, and he'd just taken something for a family member. Now, I, I understand that you're not supposed to do that. But also, family, you generally trust them, right? I mean, and if you didn't, you wouldn't take something for them. I don't it's know. Ridiculous. Have you met my anyway, brother? I, <laughs> I have, yes. Um, I probably would carry something across the border for him if he asked. Well, your life choices. Um, I do think that those some of those rules are a bit extreme. I think they were put in place for good reason, um, but a lot of them were enforced a little bit too militantly. Um, you know, particularly things like removing my headphones on takeoff because I'm not supposed to use headphones on the plane. They were noise cancelling. There was nothing playing from them. They were just to keep the noise down. What possible difference could it make whether I had my headphones on my head or around my neck? They weren't checking whether they were on. They were just checking whether I was wearing them. That Now they don't care about that, fortunately. Um, but uh, at this point, a few years ago, they did. And I, I really wanted to get to an argument, but the better part of my head... Um, took over and, and said it was pointless. So It's just not worth it, is it, really? It wasn't. It wasn't. It really wasn't. But I think this will make a difference at, um, at check-in. I didn't see any mention of having to be able to show that your devices can power up. I believe that will still be a thing. So if you are asked about it, about what's in your bag, you may still have to still show that they can power on. And that's a rule that I think does make a, a degree of sense, that if, if, if you're carrying something through security that isn't obviously um i don't know designed for purpose or 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 what have you as in if you've got a phone that's actually a bomb then being asked to turn it on and show an app loading up is is not a not a terrible idea i mean but also because you're not fake that i mean i don't know Uh, or it's not worth getting into no i suppose not i've never thought that that was a particularly stupid idea but and there are plenty of stupid ideas at airport security. So this um, this is going through uh, Parliament at the moment. And the, the plan is for it to be in place by June 2024. Um, so if you want to have your liquids examined at Heathrow Terminal 5, then for God's sake, do it in May 2024 or sooner. Otherwise, you're just going to have to um, be trusted. And if you, if you, um, if you like that, then... I suppose that's okay. Let us know any thoughts you have on this, of course. Send us an email. Hello at UKTechShow.com. Good news, everybody. 5G coverage is improving, uh, which I would describe as the minimal possible decent outcome for the billions of invested pounds and several years since the first 5g mast was erected huh. uh, according to the bbc yes go on hello uh, you just said erect oh uh, yes i did say erect yes uh, according to the bbc around 70 percent of properties can now get 5g up from 50 percent last year uh, important to remember that's homes not geography which is obviously much harder to ca- cover in signals the BBC continues that there are around 12,000 active 5G sites in the UK, double from last year. That's a, uh, that is a lot, isn't it? That's more than I would have thought. 12, I 12, agree, given how rare 5G seems. Uh, we'll, we'll come to that. Uh, almost all of them are in England. Uh, Wales has 4%, Scotland has 8%, and Northern Ireland languishes at the bottom on 2%. And I've just that's, noticed that I, that's incredible. 
<laughs> it is. I mean, you've got to remember that those those Wales and Scotland are much more spar- and Northern Ireland, I guess. Although I don't know if it's true about Northern Ireland, uh, they're more sparsely populated. So the percentage sort of makes sense. England uh, has eighty six percent of the five G masts. I I don't doubt that there is some inequality going on there. Well, there uh, has to be because that. there are there are not eighty six percent more people in England than Scotland. Mm, well, there are what. What's the population of Scotland? Isn't it like six million people or something? Something like that. And there are like fifty-five million in England or something. Is it that many? So, really? Well, I mean, if the population of the UK right. is around 60, 60 million, isn't it? Something, I've just looked like it that. up. Yeah, fifty-six million in England, and and yeah, your number five and a half thousand in Scotland. But still, that doesn't really. I don't, I don't know. Maybe maybe that no, is about. But fair, but. And if, but also, you can cover the populated bit of Scotland with probably quite a small number of antennas. It's when you get, but that's not what people need, really, is it? You don't want just the t- cities to be five G. You would like, you know, to be able to get signal out in the sticks as well. Although I guess if it's four G, then that probably be fine. But anyway, so the, the numbers aren't equal, and there probably is a problem there. But who knows why that decision's been made? Um, there's also been a massive increase in 5G traffic, which you would expect. That's It now makes up 10% of all mobile traffic, um, which is I, quite a lot. But not a, not as much as you might think, I it's guess. It's just not as much as I would think. I mean, if we've got something like, what now? So 70% of properties can now get 5G. And 5G's been out for close to 10, well, 10 years. How long have we had 5G? Maybe not quite that long. Let's no. say five years in terms of being readily available. First, first one was being switched on when I was at the Mirror. So what was yeah. that? Four or four years ago, something like that. I was at Bloomberg, which had been, and I think we did a video about it in twenty sixteen, possibly twenty seventeen. Half a decade. Um, I would have thought it was taking up more than ten percent of mobile traffic, given the promise that it is designed for, in in large part for being used as a mobile broadband service on the go. Yes. You know, streaming 4K Netflix and so forth, downloading podcasts like text message. Yes, you know. absolutely. Or you doing speed it, tests. Yeah, that's where I use an awful lot of my data, particularly towards the end of the billing cycle. If I've got data left over, I sit and run speed tests until it tells me I've run out. I'm getting <laughs> yes, I'm, what I bloody well pay for. Well, I'm aware of that. Um, but I still don't get it at home. Do you get, do you get 5G at your house? I do. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice for you. Hmm. It's not that good, but it was quite handy the other day when our internet sort of pseudo went down. Um, Hold on. I'll just do a quick... I'm on 4G. I'll just do a quick speed test to see what I get at home. Should that happen to me? Hmm. Uh, So I mounted a phone on the ceiling like I did when our Virgin Media went down back when I had Virgin Media. Um, And uh, and the 5G was very, very, very useful when when that happens but it's it's not good indoors it's it's equivalent to acceptable 4g yeah i get 44.9 megabits per second download but i'm seeing an absolutely atrocious upload on o2 uh 0.45 megabits per second yeah it's always awful it's always very poor the upload even on 5g these days i find it still extremely poor extremely poor yes um, well boo hiss i say it just it doesn't make sense because the capacity is there and f- people use far less upload bandwidth than download bandwidth yes they do um you know routinely uh, that is 
yeah um, no, i'll mean, do a speed it's... test i've got 5g i'm indoors i'm on ee do you, <clears throat> do you want me to tell you tell people whilst whilst you're doing that well what i've discovered this week because i i had i had very slow broadband and it was extremely frustrating and then it was I was having a lot of problems where I just couldn't do anything. It was everything was felt very laggy, and I discovered that my pie hole had had a problem, and I had to restart it. And when I restarted, it was okay, but I still wasn't getting the speeds I was expecting. And I thought, you know what? I I, I can't reach my router on its IP address either. It just won't load. So I thought, you know, I'm taking that thing out. So I took it out and put in a different router I have lying around. Um, and I, I'm now getting full speeds everywhere on everything. Like I'm on, if I'm on wireless, I can get 350 meg down, 39 meg up, or whatever it is on Virgin. Um, that router must have been absolutely banjaxed. So I tore it out and installed uh, Open WRT on it. I think. I think ah. it's, is it Open WRT? I can't remember now. Very nice. Um, well, I just did my speed test. I'm, I'm still not using it though. 5G indoors in uh, in. Uh, in Hertfordshire, uh, I'm only getting 10 megabits down and Ooh. 0.34 up. Oh, yeah, painful. But when I'm in the city, I get like 400 meg down. So it's not a problem with the network in the big built-up areas, but I am yeah. indoors. I have one bar of 5G out of out of four bars, and um, and that's to be expected. But still, pretty depressing state of affairs. Um, Adam in the live chat says that uh, he asks, wasn't there a problem with Huawei kit being banned that slowed the deployment? Yes. Part of the problem well, that yeah. was more of a cost issue rather than time. Well, also, have... <clears throat> I think it's quite widely accepted that Huawei kit was the better stuff anyway. Yes. Um, so the Ericsson kit that I think they're replacing it with was maybe not considered quite as good. Um so I don't know. I don't necessarily think it slowed it down much because they were also allowed to keep what they already had for a while. For a, They're tearing for a while. It out now. Has it, while. has it been done yet? Isn't it January next year? It's going to be gone by. It's in. It's in the process. Yeah. yeah. It's it's in the process. Um. So this report that we were citing, um, and we'll include a link to this uh, story and things in the show notes, uh, as we always do. UKTechShow.com. The I, I noticed that twelve million households, close to half of all homes in Britain now have the option of full fiber broadband that is about three times the availability of last year where it was only about about four million homes so three times as many houses can now get full fiber for full fiber broadband which is pretty good um and 70 percent of uk homes could get gigabit capable connections i think i can now on a virgin but i don't want to pay for it i thought is there a discrepancy there 12 million households, which is 42%, can get full fibre, but 70% can get gigabit capable. Um, well, I guess it... Huh. I th- that, that comes across as rather yeah. strange, doesn't it? Well, yeah, that doesn't work, does it? Because ha- you can't do gigabit without fibre. Yeah. Hmm. How odd. Unless they're talking. Unless they're not talking. Does what does the top speed of that? I reckon. I think it's. I think it's poorly worded. I reckon of the households that can get full fiber, seventy percent of them can get gigabits. That would Would be my would be my assumption of what it means because I'm looking. Virgin have uppaced their gigabit rollout quite substantially. I think for the downstream they have, the upstream is still absolutely pitiful, which is why I love GigaClear. 
well, yes, but you've, you're very lucky in that you've got GigaClear. Most of mm. us just don't have that luxury or any GigaClear, other fibre provider. GigaClear is being rolled out much more widely. And well, not I'm not here, it's we're, not. We're not sponsored by GigaClear. We make no money from GigaClear. Uh, I'm a GigaClear customer, and I think it's brilliant. Um, but there are others. Hyperoptic, I think they're doing a lot. City Fiber is doing a lot of rollouts. There's, there are quite a lot of opportunities um, because well, people as, want it. As far as I know... I haven't got anything at all apart from Virgin. Mm. Kate um, in our live but, chat, I should just say, has pointed out that GigaClay did go down for two days this week. It's true, wow. but that is um, quite annoying. It is, but that's two days ever. We've had GigaClay now for quite a long time, and we've had that outage once. We had it routinely when we were on Virgin. Well, I will say I have not had a problem with Virgin in this house at all. It's since I moved in and had to spend nearly a full day on the phone to them trying to get a new router sent out um they um i haven't actually had a problem it hasn't gone down apart from scheduled maintenance and that has been minimal it's gone down maybe for an hour or something um but it has it has been pretty good pretty reliable here i guess it's very regional it is um it was an interesting outage that we had actually because the service was still there. It still worked. You could technically use it. But what it seemed to be was a problem. I was I was described as Kate to Kate as being seeming like a problem at the backbone. Basically it right. wasn't restricted. It wasn't like the local um cabinet. It was <clears throat> most of Essex. So and had so you I, been trying to communicate with someone else on that network, you might have been able to, but you couldn't get further than that. It it just seemed like the capacity just died away so everyone was sharing a, a right. fraction of what would normally be available capacity That's and the reason exactly i came to that happened then i think so and i came to that conclusion because at peak times the downstream crumbled from well from a gigabit down to about five megabits but the ups but the upload stream remained you could get up to about four or five hundred meg up it should still have been a gigabit up, but it, it just looked like a capacity problem, which was an interesting fault to have, but it was quite frustrating, and the latency increased significantly, which killed the online gaming plans for my birthday. Thanks, GigaClear. Um, <laughs> Al- John, well, I was going to say, John said in a chat he had a similar issue with 3 when it was hacked and blackmailed, and it was DNS error. I will say it's always a DNS problem. Always. If, if huh. you've got a problem, it's, it's DNS. It's just the way of the world. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Al in the live chat says, uh, I found it interesting that five years ago, OpenReach told me that full fibre here is technically capable of three gigabits per second. Uh, I think Al's in Scotland. Um, They just swapped the headers into the cabinet to activate it, which doesn't surprise me at all. And I I vaguely remember having a conversation with someone at GigaClear that the 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 kit is fat is capable of significantly faster connections than they sell oh, because it's fiber yeah. yeah yeah of course <clears throat> i mean you wouldn't put fiber in and go now we won't get the good stuff let's just pop in the old cheap 10 meg fiber that'll do yeah you know you get sense. whatever and, and of course technology with that sort of thing changes all the time and you can change the laser wavelength and all that kind of stuff and add more wavelengths of laser light into a cable um and and use them separately and there's also it's very clever i mean i'm not saying it's easy but it's clever it's just it's so it's yeah kate says can you just slip the engineer 50 quid and get them to make it faster i wouldn't don't that think that a, would cover the costs would it wouldn't that be amazing if that were possible i'd no. pay it it's, uh, it's we, capped by software anyway isn't it 
well, change the software. £60. Let's up it. Um, we used to be able to do all sorts of stuff like that with Virgin back before it was sort of protected and all that kind of things. You know, like you could get a little adapter you put on or give you free TV. Didn't know that. Yeah. Because it was it, the decryption was one code. So once people found out what the code was, you just put a little adapter on and it would unlock everything. It's basically what happened with DVD, wasn't it? DVD John who yeah. cracked that encryption. I had a bit now, of him once. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Nice guy. These um, days, the encryption's much more every millisecond or something. So it's mm. much more difficult. Anyway, carry on. Um, if you've got any thoughts on this, uh, maybe you'd like to tell us how you used to hack the router of your broadband provider, you can let us know all your favourite memories at hello at uktechshow.com. Here comes interstitial2.wav. It's at this point that I generally whip out my sheet of thanks, uh, which is similar to Santa's <laughs> nice list. Um, but it contains a list of patrons who I want to thank this week. Uh, let's pick out some names here. We've got Daniel Faines, Roger Martin, Charlotte Steggs, of course, Alex Bailey, Matt Dawson-Jones, Matthew Riley. I mean, there are there are so many. We could never list them all in one day. Um, but thank you to everyone who stuck with us this year. We love you all dearly. Uh, if you'd like to feel some of Ian and, and, and my hot love as well. Uh, you can join them and get the full version of Text Message every single week. Access the back catalogue ad-free. Listen live. Join these wonderful people who are listening with us now, like Adam and Al, John, Kate, Luna, Mike, Nick, Rich, Russ. We love all these people. Um, you get Extra Message. And we're about to release episode 100 of Extra Message, our sister show, uh, just later on today, which is extremely exciting. Uh, find out more, go to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. And if you're any kind of patron listening to our extended show, you're going to hear our next story all about whether the mobile games industry is about to implode like an eight billion year old star collapsing under its own weight. <laughs> Well, we just had what is probably a conversation with the most bizarre tangents. Mm. Um, I wouldn't recommend that that's the one that people start on if they were thinking about becoming a patron. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I'll tell you who hasn't been discovering some of the worst things that exist on the internet and playing them out for patrons live. Uh, it's Mr. Tom Merritt, and he has been talking about tech news for the whole world this week and it's time for him to tell us what they should go and listen to him talk about well this week on daily tech news show why a virtual k-pop group probably needs a new label if it's going to succeed dr nikki explains why that fusion reaction in california is a big step that still leaves us a long way off will smith talks about the parts he used in building a brand new pc from scratch i have a theory on why amazon publishing a tomb raider game means we'll get more well-known characters in lord of the rings on amazon and jen briney shares her tips for becoming a digital nomad all that and much more at dailytechnewsshow.com yeah we were going to talk about amazon tomb raider but decided there wasn't quite enough for us to say but um that is interesting. Amazon's going to publish that. Tomb Raider Well, I was going to say, just Tomb Raider is an interesting one, isn't it? Because the rights for it have been a bit of a nightmare. I yeah. vaguely understand. Is well, it EDOS were, they, still exist or not? Squ well, it's Square Enix that published yeah. it. It's developed by Crystal Dynamics, I think. But um, 
Square Enix published it, but well, now Amazon's going to publish it. There's going to be a new game from that dude that did Bioshock. I've forgotten his name. Oh. And it's it looks exactly like Bioshock, but it's set in space. Can't wait. Oh. Is there water? Uh, No. It's oh. space. Yeah, I know, but there's water in space. Well, there can be, if you take it. I mean, obviously there is water there already, but you have to find it. Interesting. Um, I forgot what it's called. Why have I forgotten what it's called? It's it's a name of something. Oh, Starfield, in the, John suggests? No, it's not Starfield. Um, someone will come up with it, I'm sure. And it's up to us to fill that until someone Googles it. I'm Googling it now. Okay. Uh, Just while you look that up, um, thank you to everyone for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would be amazing if you would give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Drop us a star on Spotify if that's where you're listening to us. Whatever platform you've got, if there is a way for you to recommend us or favorite us or share us or review us, um, we would be very grateful because we'd love to enter 2023 um, reducing our plateau of new listeners and increasing because we've got some interesting plans coming up. We've got episode 300 coming up. We've got episode 100 of Extra Message going out. By the time you hear this, that will be out as well and, um, and a whole lot more. Ian, have you found the name of the game? No, it's Ken Levine, but I can't find what okay. the name of the new one is. Well, you've got until the end of the outro music to find it. Uh, it's not going to happen. I'm typing. Can I find it? No, Bye, I don't think I can. It's called... Game Over. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.